Let's pray. Father, we are once again thankful for the opportunity and privilege of spending time in your most precious word. We thank you for giving it to us and allowing us to be able, whenever we want to, to hear from you, to know what is your heart and mind and will for us as your people. We pray, Father God, that as we spend time in it this morning, we would truly hear from you. You would speak to our hearts. As we were talking about in Sunday school, you would search us, try us, see if there be any way in us that needs to be addressed that is not acceptable to you. And Father God, we would then put your word into practice and be doers thereof. And so we thank you once again for this privilege and opportunity as we spend this time with you in Jesus' name. Amen. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, training us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we, God's children, should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, in this present age, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. Now most of you should know where that's found because it's on the screen. How many of you knew where it was found before? Yeah, excellent. This morning I want to start, if given the opportunity, a series. We're going to start looking at the book of Titus. I asked the Lord, what would you have me to share with the saints at Calvary Bible Church? The incredible body of Christ gathered here. And I felt this is what he would have me to share. I believe the content of Titus as it speaks to the subject of good works, is something that we as God's people need to be encouraged and reminded of. Sound doctrine, proper doctrine, right doctrine, should lead to proper living. Do we agree? If we, we know the principles if we know the rules, if we understand the concepts, then we should see that lived out and exercised in the lives of the saints. I think the challenge that Paul had, and particularly Titus had in Crete, are some of the challenges we see now in the Church of God. One of the things 
we in Calvary have not been lacking of, and that is sound doctrine. I, I, I believe I can get an amen for that. Um, we have had it proclaimed from the pulpit on a consistent and a continual basis. But my challenge to us is this. Knowing the truth is not enough. Having a sound grasp of scripture. And I, and I, and I always say to, you know, I, I love being a Christian. I love Bible study. I love taking the time of, of digging into God's word. I don't know if you all like word study. That's one of my favorite things. Taking a text, breaking it down, finding out what the words actually mean, what it means in context. I just love digging. I love searching. That's something that I enjoy. But even in this process of preparation, I was challenged. What about living it? We know how to, we know what it says. I mean, some of us even make it a point when we sit in church on Sunday, we even take notes. And we could tell the fellow where he spoke from, what his message was, what the word meant. But at the end of the day, when we finish with those notes, what do we do with them? What do we do with the collection of papers that we have in our drawer? And we have a nice Bible. But what do we do with it? I want to share with you something this morning that I believe God is saying, listen, it's not just about understanding what the word of God says. It's putting into practice. We are to be people, according to Titus chapter 2, verse 14, people who are zealous of good works. What do you do about living it? Do we love to put into practice God's word? Do we love our enemies? Do we like to bless them who curse us and pray for them who, who abuse us? Do we, as workers, are we submissive to our bosses in everything? Um, do we do things that are well-pleasing? Are we not argumentative? Now, this was a tough one for me. That was a tough one. I, I worked at BEC. <laughs> glory, glory. Um, this was a tough one for me. And the amazing thing was, as I told my wife, when you go into the word of God looking for something for somebody else, God says, come, come here, come here closer, come here closer. I got something for you. This particular one was one that he, he, he opened my eyes to. And I'm... Um, yeah, okay. What about wives? Are you submissive to your own husbands as to the Lord? What about husbands? Are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Now, we love to study these things, you know. Love to study them. Know them well. Know them by heart. Could quote them book, chapter, and verse. But it's not about the knowing. And it's not, I should say, it's not just about the knowing. It's about the doing. Pastor, he always tells us in our Bible study methods class, you don't study the word of God just for head knowledge. It's for application. You've got to put it into practice.
Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Created unto good works. Which God hath beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. That's what we created for. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. And when they see your good works, when they see what you do, they will then do what? We always talk about we want to glorify God. Then let's do some good works. Let's do some good works. Titus talks about these works. And today, we're going to look at that. And today we need that a lot. You know, we, we, we talk about what we, what we would like to do. We say, you know, Anton, I understand you got a problem, but Brother Nick, let me pray for you. He has a need, but what I can do, I can pray for him. I, I, what does Scripture tell you if your brother has a need and you have the means with to help him? What should you do? Pray for him? Come back to me tomorrow. We know this. Amen. Are we doing it? Now that's for you to answer. Let's look a bit at Titus. You know, talk is cheap, they always say. What, what did you say? Money by land. Faith without works is what? Dead. Anybody can talk. Paul wrote this book to Titus. Now, Titus is a young man that was actually saved under Paul's ministry. He calls him his son, his, his, his son in the faith. And when him and Paul were traveling, Paul left Titus in Crete to do something. So Paul, while he was in the capitalist, wrote a letter back to Titus and said, Listen, I've left you in Crete to do a particular work. I've left you in Crete, according to Titus 1 and 5, to put what remained in order and to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus was left the instructions of what to do and how to do it. Paul left him that inform information. And he said, I need you to, to deal with this, Titus. And, and right after that, he said, now Titus, after I tell you what to do, let me, tell you, let me give you the qualifications for these elders to get started right away. These are the things, these are the qualifications I want you to, to put out there for these men, to look for these men. And he says, also, I want you to deal with things in Crete, to put some things in order. Now, if he had to put some things in order, that means there were some things that were out of order. What was the problem in Crete? It says there were persons that were teaching things that were contradicting to sound doctrine, and they were actually leading whole families astray. Individuals in the church we're talking about some foolishness. and I mean, the whole family, everybody was joining in the group and going along with this false doctrine. There were persons who were actually causing division in the body. In the body. The incredible body of Christ. There are people who would try to cause division. There were Christian men and women who evidently weren't conducting themselves properly. And so he told Titus in chapter 2, listen, these older men, this is how I want them to act. These younger men, these young, older women, these young women, 
these workers, this is the things they're supposed to, these are the good works that they are supposed to be demonstrating. And he outlined these to, to, to Titus. He said, listen, and I also want to encourage you, Titus. You see, when you get up there and you tell this young sister how to handle herself, to love her husband, to love her children, to be a keeper at home, and you go over to that old fellow over and you tell him how he must be reverent, how he must be self-controlled, Titus, you got to be careful. See, this is when the Lord has come to you and say, say Craig, you, you, you want to get up there and share God's word, but you, you got to be careful. And those of us who have the privilege, the responsibility, the, the awesome opportunity to share God's word, we need to be careful. He told Titus, listen here, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. He said, in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. He said, Titus, when you get up there and talk, you need to understand you are talking serious business. This is not a game. This responsibility is not a, something to play around with. You need to be a person who shows dignity. You need to be a model. Don't just preach it, Titus. You need to live it. Because if you don't, you're going to give people an opportunity to make God look Make the Christian, the family of God, the saints gathered here at Calvary Bible Church, make us look bad. So when you get up there, don't be a hypocrite. Be careful of yourself. Be a good example. Live what you preach. That was for me. That wasn't for you. He also told him, listen here, declare these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. You, you, Titus, when you get up there, you've you got to be firm. You've got to speak it. You can't look at their faces and get scared. If this is what I've given to you, you've got to put it out there. And so he was encouraging Titus in his ministry to listen, do what I've given you to do. I've, I've, I've given you the information. I've given you the resource. I've written you a letter. You know how to do it. Now let me encourage you, brother, get it done. Because some challenging things are happening in Crete. You see, listen, these Cretans, Cretans, you all haven't heard that term before? Cretans. It said these Cretans, this is how they describe them. One of the, the Cretans, a prophet of their own, says Cretans are always Liars. This is what, what, what Titus was dealing with. Always liars. These fellows were liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Now that's the people you're dealing with. Liars, gluttons, evil beasts. Oh, go ahead, Titus, now. Go ahead, deal with them. You, 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 you handle them now. I'll write you a letter, you go handle them. But that's who Titus had to deal with. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Don't get scared. Rebuke. Exhort. 
Do what you have to do. For the next few minutes, I want to look at a text that I believe encapsulates Titus. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Paul writes to Titus, and he says, listen, let me tell you something. I, these qualities, these good works should be demonstrated in these individuals because you know what? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Because of this good works, God has demonstrated his grace in Jesus Christ. And when he demonstrated his grace in Jesus Christ, he did it. Jesus Christ, his grace was demonstrated for two purposes. I say it's amazing. And we emphasize salvation. We emphasize the destination. But God is as much concerned about the process and about the trip as he is concerned about the destination. We love to think about heaven. I, I want to get to heaven. But God didn't just save you to get to heaven. God saved you that while you were on this earth, you would live a certain way. And in a way that would bring glory to him. He wanted you to do what? Good works. So even as we preach the gospel, and it says in Matthew 28, listen, preach the gospel, but you must make what? Disciples. Teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you. You've got to teach and train these people who are on their way to heaven that while they are on this earth, they're going to live according to what I said in my word. It's not just about us sitting down here and all singing all the praises and it's beautiful. But while we're singing the praises to the honor and glory of God, let's live lives that also bring honor and glory to God. The grace of God, number one, brought salvation to all people. So God's grace, yes, was for the purpose of salvation, but it also was for another purpose. It was for the purpose of training, educating. It was like, like a child training us to do what? Number one, to renounce ungodliness. We had to put away anything that is not of God that is irreverent to God. Put away ungodliness and all the worldly lust, all the worldly passions, the greed, the lust, the sexual immorality. These things as a child of God on the way to heaven, we should be living lives that are not demonstrating ungodliness and worldly lust. And then he says, you know what, what you know, Titus? Not just they shouldn't do. Because this is what I like about Paul. And I like about God's word. He doesn't just tell you what not to do. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. God said, I can tell you what you're doing wrong. And let me show you 
what to do right. He says, I don't want you to be ungodly. I don't want you to live in worldly lust. I want you to be self-controlled. You as an individual must demonstrate in your life as a believer moderation, balance. It should be a life without excess. Too much food, too much drink, too much anything, you know, too much sports. Some of us even got too much church. I was talking to a brother about the same message when I was in the office. He says, it's amazing. I can be careful now how I bring this one out. Okay. You have individuals that are spending so much time in church that they're neglecting all the other responsibilities. There are some people who shall remain nameless of the fairer sex who have been known to be so caught up in the church, running behind the pastor, that they pour husband home. Honey, where are you going again? My baby, I gotta, I gotta go to church. Pastor, we having convention tonight. What baby? There's a text for that. I, I, I'm not gonna touch that text today, but Titus 2 talks about that. So when you look at me, you say, now be careful. I say, yeah, I can be careful, but there's scripture for that position. So I'm not up here telling you what I feel. The Bible speaks to how we as individuals are to respond to one another. This text says we're to be self-controlled. I myself must have myself under control. Then I must, have, I must live an upright life. I must have a good life toward my fellow man. I must not be a person who is, is involved in immorality and dishonesty. I must be honest toward my fellow man. That is how I'm supposed to behave. I should be able to know and put my trust in my brother and sister in the Lord. I shouldn't be able to have, I shouldn't have to think twice. Boy, he did say he was going to do that, you know, but I ain't sure. I ain't sure. Is he a man of integrity? Boy. And, and it burdens my heart when I hear especially Christian brothers who don't live lives of integrity. We need godly men of integrity in this world, in this country today. Our sons, our daughters need to see godly men living lives that are upright, self-controlled, and godly in this present age. At this time in our lives, we need godly examples. We need them. We, the world needs to see us live what we believe. Live what we talk about. We need to see it in us. Godly in this present, present age. It says you are saved from ungodliness, saved from worldly lust. It's not just a destination. God is very concerned about the journey. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm reminded, reminded again, go you into all the world. Go you into all the world and make disciples of every nation. 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We're also waiting for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why are we living right? You know what? I'm looking forward to his return, aren't you? Aren't you excited about the fact that God's word is true? When you look at the book, when you look at Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, and, and God who cannot lie, can't lie. And he told me he's coming back. And so when he comes back, I can be ready. You know how I can be ready? I can be living right. It says in the book of 1 John chapter 3, Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, he has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And he rounds up. And everyone who has this hope in him does what? Purifies himself. Looking for God's return, I am going to make sure I am ready. I'm going to live a life so when my master comes back, I'm going to hear from him. Hallelujah. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Good works. Good works. Looking for that blessed hope. And then Paul reminds us again in that same passage. He continues on. He says, listen, Titus, what did Jesus Christ do? He gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity, all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. He, Jesus Christ, our Jesus Christ, God himself, gave himself as a ransom to pay the price. Why? To redeem us from lawlessness. He didn't just die to save us to get to heaven. He died to redeem us from lawlessness. What else? Died so that we could be his peculiar people, his special set-apart possession. You realize that you are a if you are a child of God, you are God's special Unique, set-apart possession. God loves you. God loves you and he died to demonstrate that love. He died to show that love to you. And he says, you know what? I want you to be my own possession. Set-apart, specially selected for me. Reserved for me. Zealous of good works. Not just redeemed from lawlessness, not just on your way to heaven, not just giving up on godliness, but you must be zealous of good works. When I look at this text, I said, boy, I remember as a child quoting this over and over again. I used to go to Nassau Christian Academy, and we had verses every Tuesday, every Tuesday. I see sis, sis smiling, you remember that? Hey? Every Tuesday, boy, chapel. Mm, anyhow, every Tuesday. And I remember reciting this verse over and over again. And it wasn't until I sat down and looked at this verse, as they say, looked in the word like a mirror, that I heard this verse, zealous of good works. 
That's what I'm supposed to be? What does that mean? The term zealous speaks to people who were zealots. You know who a zealot was? That was a name applied to an extreme sect of the Pharisees who were against it. They, they were the, the Pharisees of the Pharisees. Like, like Paul said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee. They were serious about what they believed in, serious about what they did. They were zealous. A zealous person is a person who is uncompromising and totally committed. This is why I want us to pause before we close. Uncompromising and totally committed unto good works. Is that me? Is that you? Are we uncompromising? We aren't prepared to bend. I'm not going to waver. I was listening to a song all week. I won't bend and I won't break. I won't compromise my faith. I won't compromise. I won't compromise. In this world, why? Because I want to be a light to future generations. I can't afford to compromise. There's too much at stake. There's a generation of young people coming up that needs to see believers who are zealous of good works. They need to see godly examples. They need to see what we say we believe. Lived out and demonstrated to them that, listen, I ain't just talking about this. The same lip service. I believe this to the point that I am uncompromising, unwavering, totally committed in what and who I am as a believer. Titus was told by Paul in verse, chapter 3, verse 8, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable. And so as I close, I insist on these things. As I leave you this morning, my encouragement, my challenge to you is that we would be people who would let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works. And hallelujah, they would give glory to our God who is in heaven. For his name's sake, amen.